Put up your hand if you love children. All right. Okay. And they don't have the facilities to have proper children's church. Once off giving doesn't help that because it's a quite expensive process to get everything in place for them to buy the projector, to buy the sound, to buy the stuff that we need to make it decent, to break it open a little bigger so that it's nice. And, you know, we are doing the best that we can. Have you guys seen the wooden fence? And we're going to put a wooden fence all the way down. Um, labor costs money. Poles cost money. Wood costs money. So I want you to understand that part of our priority is to look after the children. We really want to look after the children. Um, so when you give understand that it goes towards our children as well. It goes to give them better facilities. We've got to just upgrade their facilities. If we, if we say we love them, we've got to upgrade their facilities. That will also open the door for more people to want to work down there and say, listen, I want to be involved in it. Does that make sense? We need some more volunteers in that as well. Um, we've only got two people at the moment, and they're on a rotational basis. So, um, yeah. Why don't you take that that you want to give the Lord in your hand this morning? And we pray over that. Father, we thank you so much that we can give into your kingdom. Your Lord, and that you are the one that multiplies, that you are the one that provides, that you are the one that protects, that you are the one that has given us the ability to earn an income. And that's why this giving is part of our worship, it's part of our sacrifice. We give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Where was the Anna Eneki? Was the Anna Emmerki? If you want to go back, you have to go back. No, come. You have to go for my way. You have to go back. All right, so um, I'm very excited about this morning. I'm very excited. You guys excited? All right. I don't want to speak to your feelings. That's not what I want to talk to you. I just want you to have some expectation that God wants to do something in your life and reveal something to you. Are you all comfortable? Not everyone too hot? Everybody comfortable? You happy? All right. Fantastic. Enough air, enough oxygen. Not going to fall asleep this morning. Okay. If you go like this, I'm going to call you out. Eh? Unless you go, amen, 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 amen. <laughs> all right. So please would you open your Bibles in Matthew 18, verse 18. So the, the, the title of this message wanna, I want to give it is The Crossroad of Authority and Responsibility as a Believer. The crossroad that we have, that we are at and we have, it's something for, of authority and responsibility. So this chapter starts with, I want to read you verse 1. At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So I want you to understand, he's talking about greatness in the kingdom of heaven, becoming like a child, and everything that we have dealt with the last couple of weeks. And then he talks about what we spoke about last week. If your brother offends you, now if you offend me, it's my responsibility to go to you. I don't have to wait for you to apologize, because you don't know that you've offended me. And he says, if you hear me, I've won you. If you then we get more people. If you hear me, if you hear them, then one. And then we get the whole church. And if you've heard them, then we've won. But if not, then we lose. But listen to what the verse 18 says. Verse 18. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, 
concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So some of these scriptures are being quoted, and even by myself in past, completely wrong and out of context. Because we bind and loose. Ne? Who's prayed that prayer? Lord, we bind this and we lose that. And we... It's like, but what's the context? The context of this scripture is an authority that God gives us. If somebody has sinned against me and they repent, I can lose them of that sin and the consequences of that. That's what's written there. Not, uh, we bind this thing and we bind that thing. And This is not what it's saying. It's talking about the authority that we as believers have regarding trespasses and sins. And when we together, that authority goes higher. It says where two or more are gathered and they agree on something. What are they agreeing on? Let me, can I, have, can I use some people for demonstration? Kurunda, come here. Come stand here. Please, Kit, come stand here. You, you're close enough. So Kurunda, she kicked me in the knee this morning. Ne? She brought me a cup of coffee. She kicked me in the knee. Bah! Now she's offended me. Now I speak to her. You know what? You offended me. You kicked me in the knee. And she's like, well, so what? That sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She didn't hear me. So I go and say, please, kid, please come with me. Just, just come with me. I just want to let you, I need you guys to just help me out. She kicked me in the knee this morning. How could you? Yeah, see, so now she doesn't hear them either. Because they're telling her, she said, well, what's the problem? She a wuss. You know? And she's laughing. Look, she's laughing at me. <laughs> I kick you in the knee. I laugh at you. Now she doesn't hear. Thank you. Now I go to the congregation and say, everybody, she kicked me in the knee. And everybody goes, oh. <laughs> and she's still laughing at me. Grow up. She's not heard it. Okay. Now, as a collective, we've got the authority to bind or to lose. Do you know what? You don't want to repent. Okay? This is what God says. Then we bind this to you. And let the Lord deal with you. But if you repent and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to kick you. Is your leg okay? <laughs> you know? Now is it, you know what? We lose you of that. In the consequences, we are together. And we agree. And what does he say? We're two or more gathered. There I am. So now what happens? The atmosphere changes. Heaven comes down. Because God's here. God's here. And when we're dealing with thank you so much. So, and there's two parts to this. There's, and I'm going to show it to you. There's the part where when somebody sins against you that you've got the power to bind and loose. And there's this part where people, if they sin, we can forgive. Now he's like, whoa, okay, where are you going? Let me show you. It's not a new revelation. You've got to understand it correctly. The next verse, Matthew 16, 19. Remember Peter said to him, you are the son of God. 
And he said, on this revelation, I will build my church. And I will give you, listen, let's read it. I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So if I give you keys to my house, I give you keys to my house. I give the alarm code. You've got access to my house. Am I right? Am I going to give that, those keys nilly-willy to anybody? I'm going to give it to somebody that I trust. He has the keys to my house. When you have keys to my house, is there any place in my house that you can't go? You can go wherever you want to. You can go into my bedside drawer. It's a mess. You know, it's, like most of us, eh? that bedside drawer. And one day it doesn't want to close and you pull it and it breaks. And We all know what we're talking about. You're laughing because it's true. <laughs> but you've got access to my pantry. If my wallet is in my house, you've got access to my wallet. Does that make sense? So when God says, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, he trusts you. Number one, He trusts you to know the boundaries of His kingdom. Where you can function in. There's an authority that's on you and I. He gives you that authority. So now I know where to deal. What to do. I can't just bind and loose whatever I want to. That's not what He's talking about. Yeah, he says, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. With restraint. What is the restraint? It's the boundaries of God's kingdom. Does it make sense? I can't suddenly come say, I bind the devil to you. Does that make sense? You can't. Just like, that's not God's kingdom. Or I can't come with a legalistic approach towards this because it's out of relationship that trust is built. Your relationship equals obedience. If you want to measure your relationship with the Lord, if you want to know where your relationship with the Lord is, it's where you're, the level of your obedience. The level of your obedience. God tells you, drive that way home and you say no this is the shortest and you go the shortest route where's your level of obedience does it make sense now we can go into all different spectrums i can break it down and break it down and break it down that's not what i'm i'm yet to tell you there's an authority that god has given us regarding forgiveness all right let's go to the next verse and he's given us keys here in John 20, Matthew 18, Matthew 10, 8. Where am I? Matthew 10, 8. Matthew 10, 8. Listen to what it says. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out the demons. Verse 7 says, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You, God has given us keys to his kingdom. He says, this is what you want, I want you to do in my kingdom. I want you to preach the kingdom of God. There's a kingdom right now on the earth that's the kingdom of God. And God wants to give you, the, you and I, the keys to that kingdom. He wants to bestow authority on us and say, 
Preach it. Raise the dead. David Hogan has raised more than 10 people from the dead. Uncle Angus has raised one person. I'm at zero. Okay? So I'm still trusting the Lord. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out the demons. Freely. This is the thing. Freely. You received. Freely give. So now somebody is saying, listen, send me $50 and I will send you a prophetic word. Okay? You see, people fall for it because they don't understand the scripture. Is you've received it freely, freely give it away. I'm do, I do counselings sometimes. Do you know what my price is per hour? Huh? Five hundred rand, okay. But for you, for free. <laughs> yeah, for today, now, because we we don't charge. Why? You've received it freely, freely give. Can you see the parameters of God's kingdom? No, 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 put some money on it. Now, there are people that I'm not saying they're wrong in doing that because they've studied and they're professional and they've got counseling degrees and uh, psychology degrees and they're allowed to earn an income and make a living. What I'm talking here is the message of the gospel of God is for free. The blessing, the deliverance is for free. Amen. I want you to walk with Jesus. Just walk with Jesus. Where Jesus went, you know what happened? Demons manifested. Demons manifested. Did he now stop and consider everybody's opinion and feeling before he delivered that person? Or did he deliver that person right there and then? Okay. So if the demonic manifest and we deliver them, your opinion counts nothing. Well, I feel, frankly, I don't care what you feel in that moment. Because it doesn't say, wait, let's do it this way. Consider everybody else. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. If some have got a glass in their foot, sticking through the front from the bottom to the top, to stop and ask everybody, is it okay with you if I pull out this glass? Does it make sense? Would you, would, no, all of us will pull it out and bandage it and then go to the hospital. No, no, wait first. Let them sit with this, this glass in their foot. First ask everybody's opinion. Are you comfortable? Are you comfortable for us to just take the thorn out of this person's foot? Are you, are you emotionally prepared for it? Hmm? Well, the heart of God wants to deliver when? Now. Our God wants to deliver now. He wants people healed now. He wants them set free now. Kairos time. God's time. Not chronos time determined by man chronologically. Kairos time. God's timing. Heal. Deliver. Set free. This is the parameters of His kingdom. You see, and when I understand the parameters of His kingdom, or I start understanding that there's a master... The kingdom has got a master. Who's the master in the kingdom? Jesus. Not Joe Soap. Jesus is the master in the kingdom. So he determines the mandate for each person. Also the parameters of the kingdom. And then he gives us our mission. That we have, he gives you a mission to do within that mandate. 
and then expects you to do the market research and find the method of what he wants you to do. But if I don't understand that the kingdom has got a master, then I come into this kingdom thinking I can do or not do whatever I want to. I can have an attitude or not have an attitude the way I want to. Yet the master says, that's not the parameters of the kingdom, is it? There's an authority that he gives us. He gives you and I an authority. Let's go to the next verse, please. John 20, verse 23. Now I want you to see this, because we're talking about this binding and losing and forgiving that God has given us. Listen to what John 20, 23 says. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That's a massive thing to hear. That's a massive authority. Massive authority. If you forgive people, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive people, then they're not forgiven. Then it's retained to them. Now, it's the two spheres. The first sphere is when you harm me personally or I harm you personally. Then there's your response, your authority to forgive me. It doesn't matter what it is. Jesus hangs on a cross. Okay, he's got the thorn crown in his head. His blood is piercing through his brow, breaking the curse of thorns and thistles and by the sweat of your brow. He breaks the curse. That's why he had to get the thorns into his head. Okay? So labor is no longer a curse, but a blessing, the way it's supposed to be. And then he's got these nails in his hands. He's got nails in his feet. He's got a spear through his side. He's got vinegar in his mouth. His back is beaten. His body is beaten. And nobody is feeling sorry for him. No one is even standing up for him at that cross. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. He's not waiting for an apology. He's not waiting for an apology before he forgives. Yet we walk around. You know, they need to apologize to me. You know, that person hurt me. And until they say sorry... You know, if only you guys would understand what I'm going through. Feel sorry for me. I'll maybe have the strength to forgive. Jesus doesn't expect anything of us that he himself did not do. He went through that. And what did he do? Look, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They knew what they were doing, but they had no clue what they were doing. It's like somebody that skinners about you and give you a bad reputation or your business a bad reputation. They don't know what they're doing. Now, of course they know. They're skinnering about you, but they don't know the repercussions of what they are doing. That they are actually assassinating your character, your means of income, And then you've got to forgive them. 
No, no. If he goes onto public platform and apologizes to me, then I will forgive him. Hmm? No, 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 no. That's what Jesus gives us the authority to forgive. And if we retain that, it's retained. You see, but I want you to understand the heart of the kingdom, the, God, the heart of God, because He forgives. He forgives. He's faithful to forgive. If we confess, He's faithful to forgive. Then there is when people sin. They, just, they don't sin against me or against you, but they sin. So you go to the country club. You go play your golf. Any, any bowlers here, golfers here? Okay, we were a couple. So you go to the country club and you go to the 19th hole. And Quissy is there. And Quissy is doing it again, what he did last week, he did the week before, and the week before. He starts telling you, every time you get there, he starts telling you exactly. He became like Moses on Wednesday. Yeah. You know, Moses was motherless. No. <laughs> he became like Moses. Huh? He became like Abel, stoned. With Cain. <laughs> this guy is telling you exactly what happened on Thursday and on Friday. And he's telling me, he's like, yes, but we want to. What's he doing? He might be bragging. But you and I have got the authority to change the atmosphere. And say, but you're confessing now. What does Jesus say? What does 1 John 1, 9 say? God is faithful and just. If we confess to forgive us our sins. Not repent. He's not talking about repentance. He's talking about confession. The boundaries of this. is Now this man is sinning. He's telling you. He's like, I just want to tell you something. Imagine, imagine you're sitting there. And you understand that God is in you, for you, and is going to work through you. And you sit there, and this person is going on about Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and he's matric for well. Okay? And you tell him, I've got some, I want to tell you something, man. He says, what? You see, the Lord forgives you because you just confessed. Now, I'll put it to you, you'll have one of two reactions. Okay? The one would be, who do you think you are? Okay? Telling me this. The other one, because it manifests in the presence of God. Or it could be a breakdown in tears. Really? Is this the God you serve? Yes, that's Jesus I serve. He forgives you. Do you understand that? I'm not forgiving you, but I'm forgiving you. I'm telling you what heaven says. I'm telling you what heaven says. God forgives you. You're forgiven. That's nothing to do with repentance yet. It's just confession. We'll get to repentance. But now the atmosphere changes because the grace of God, the mercy of God that is new every morning, Okay, now enters the room. You are bringing heaven down into this, saying, This is what heaven says. This is what the kingdom of God says. Who wants to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? That's the question. 
Well, understand your authority. You understand your authority. Let's go to the next verse. Second Corinthians. To whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if I forgive you anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ. Saying exactly the same. If you forgive somebody, they forgive him. If they confess it, and you can tell them what heaven says. Now we are bound in grace and mercy toward. That doesn't give, and we never ever understand that mercy is a license to carry on doing the wrong. I am talking about the authority that you have as a believer. I like what Paul always says, not always, often. If then you are a believer. He puts it in there, he puts the back door. This is the authority that you have as a believer if then you are a believer, do you truly believe that Jesus is your master, that he is Lord? Do you truly believe that you are saved by Jesus alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, that your works and your deeds can never ever get you into heaven? You acting right, knowing the laws, walking by every rule that you can, will never get you into heaven. Never, ever, ever. Because it's not up to what we do, it's up to what Jesus did that saves us. You see, if I understand that, then I start understanding what's my authority as a believer. Now, we like that. We like authority. Most of us like authority. When you get in your car, you've got authority over your car. You play the music that you want to play. And somebody comes sit in the back, can we play something else? He says, no, it's my car, my music. Easy as that. Who's been at that place? Hello. <laughs> Nothing. It irritates me more than a backseat driver to me. I want you to play different music. It's my car. <laughs> All right, but with that comes responsibility. Now, all of us, there's not a single person in this church and that I know that does not get nauseated by authority that does not understand their responsibility. You see, political parties would have authority over the taxes or the money, the funds that come towards a certain area. And their responsibility is to do the right thing with it. Fix the roads, build infrastructure, etc., etc., etc. And then it doesn't happen. What do we like? They've got authority. And they're not using it the right, for the right responsibility. Do you understand that? Okay, so as Christians, we have got authority to forgive. We are out of our responsibility when we walk around judgmental. When we walk around self-righteous. Trying to impose. Because that's not our jo job. Our job is to... Forgive. Our job is to preach the kingdom. Our job is to understand the boundaries of this kingdom. That's our responsibility. We have got a responsibility. John 14.30 Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And he says, Herewith I will not talk much with you. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. For the prince of this world is coming. The devil is coming. The enemy is coming. And he has nothing 
in me. Now Jesus is saying, the devil's got no territory in me. I'm going to go to heaven. Once again, he doesn't expect anything of us that he himself didn't do. He was tempted just like us. I don't know what you get tempted with in the week, but we all get tempted. Some might be with riches. Others might be with fame. They're different passions, addictions. We might be tempted with that. Jesus was tempted with the very same things he never sinned. Therefore, he says, the enemy has got no territory in me. So he is sincere. He's not devious. He doesn't lie. He doesn't hide things. He doesn't take advantage of people. Okay? He's not in it to see it, what's in it for me. Selfish gain. Ne? You see, we can easily look at the prostitute in the corner. Whoa. You know? But right at home, I am the one defrauding other people. Seeing how much I can get out of them with as little as much that I put in. Now, which one is the greatest sin? The one that everybody can see or the secret one? And everybody thinks, oh, but you're so beautiful. Me now back at the ranch, he banakantis. You see, Jesus says, the enemy has got no ground in me. And this is where the responsibility comes. Because that authority gets bestowed on us. We have got the responsibility to surrender everything in us to the Lord. Every part of, the, part of our hearts, we need to surrender. You see, we might walk in fear. And I want you to understand this. This way. Imagine you had no fear in your life. No fear of rejection. No fear of failure. No fear of man. How would you, your life change? No fear of lack of resources. How would your life transform? What would you be doing? I submit to you that most of us would probably do something completely different. Or we'll go about things completely different. And we'll dream different. And we'll have much bigger ambition. And we will express ourselves completely different because I'm not so scared that you're not going to like me anymore. You see, listen to what Romans says. Romans says the following. God has poured out the love of God in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And then in John he says, it's one John he says, perfect love casts out fear. Because God is poured out. When we receive Him as Lord, as Master in our life, He comes and He pours out His love, His love for us into our hearts. He just pours it into our hearts. I love you, 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 I love you. Every person that I know that really got saved, they always say, I feel so loved. There's this love thing that just goes around. Like, ooh, man, I've never known love like this. Other people write a song and they call it Amazing Grace. Because it's love that gets poured out. And that love dispels all fear. 
Now, if I still have fear in my heart, it means the enemy has got territory in me. And I need to deal with that. Doesn't make sense. I've got authority, but now I've got responsibility. Responsibility, go to our next verse, is in 1 Peter. But he who has called you is holy. I want you to understand that you are called. You are called. If you sit here this morning, I want you to hear the following word. Jesus is and has called you. And is calling you. And that call can only could be as small as this. Come out of the kingdom of darkness into the marvelous kingdom of his beloved son. Just that's the call. But I also believe that many people here are called into ministry, part-time and full-time, volunteered. God is calling you. But we have fear. What's this bang? We fear. Then we have to get this verse. He who has called you is holy. The word holy means set apart. He's set apart. He's not like anything that you and I have known in the world. He's not like anything from my past. He's not like any, any model that I've seen, any father or father that I did not have or father that I had. He's not like any mentor. He is set apart. He is completely on his own, in his own category. And no one, no one can ever come close to him. There is an eternity between first place, which is the Lord, and second place. He is set apart completely. And this is what he says. So you be holy in all manner of conversation. So what does he say? It starts with the rudder. It starts with the rudder. Your rudder turned in the wrong way. You're not sailing toward being set apart. The rudder. This is how the rudder sounds. This is how I am. I'm that type of person. Who said that before? All right. That rudder is determining the direction of your life. Oh, you say, you know, we're sickly people. Oh, in this family, we're not good with math. Oh, our whole family, everybody's always failed in business. You know, we just have short tempers. We just have short tempers. Can you hear where that rudder is pointing? That rudder is not pointing towards the kingdom of God. It's not. So now you turn that rudder with all manner of concerns. Holy speech. Holy speech. I get people to come to me and say, but who said that's a swear word? Well, is it holy? That's the question. The question is asked whether it's a swear word. The question is asked if it's holy. Would God speak that word? Would Jesus utter that? There's your determination. Quickly, quickly, the whole argument just crumbles away. Next part. And see, because it is written, be holy 
for I am holy. God wants you to be set apart. What is he saying? Is I give you authority to forgive. I give you the authority. Whoever's harmed you in your life, whoever's molested, disappointed, robbed, steal, said something bad about you, neglected, abandoned, robbed, raped, beat your nose crooked, chipped your tooth, whoever's done any of that, you've got authority to forgive them. You've got authority to forgive them. He says, you've got authority when somebody comes to you and they start confessing what they've done to say what heaven says. Because heaven will forgive when you confess. Change the atmosphere. The responsibility is to make sure the enemy's got no territory and be holy. To set apart my life. To set apart my life. Now how do I do that? This is important. How do I do that? Access for times of refreshing, repent. For times of refreshing, repent. Now repentance is not confession. Repentance is not remorse. Okay? So the scenario that I'll give you is that... Um, a gentleman, married. Oh, well, he's married. Let's make it easy. Comes home, payday. Comes home, payday. And the missus says, are we going shopping? He says, no, they didn't pay me this month. Okay. This is a true story, by the way. <laughs> so the missus walks to the boot of the car, opens the boot of the car, and there's a brand new set of golf clubs. Okay, the whole pay, the whole pay went for the set of gold clubs. Never mind the chokerkis, the kids, and the rent and the food. They didn't pay me because moi wants a new set of golf clubs. I'm going to go pro. <laughs> I'll make money. Woman, bear with me. <laughs> All right. Now, the missus packs up the children and she goes to her mom. Because guess what? We're going to get kicked out of the house. We don't have food, everything. Now, tomorrow morning, a week later, the man wakes up all alone. We like sleeping alone. Okay? I don't like sleeping alone. When my missus is not there, I feel like I can't sleep. All right? He wakes up all alone. The condition of manhood has got hold of him again. You know? So now he feels bad about the whole situation. He's got remorse. He's got remorse. So he goes with his tail between his legs to the missus. Say, come home. Come home. I'm so sorry. Come home. I'll never do it again. So the missus believes him. Borrows money from her mother for groceries and the rent. And they go back. And happy little family. End of the month comes. Hubby stops at the house. Mom says, are we going to go buy groceries? No, they didn't pay me this month. So she walks to the boot, she opens the boot, a brand new set of Sky Electric. <laughs> no. All the money gone. Has he repented? No. You see what remorse is feeling guilty about what I did, feeling bad about what I did. That's remorse. And remorse can show your heart that, you know, I realized it was a mistake. I feel bad about it. But repentance is stopping. 
stopping. That's repent. See, for times of refreshing is when I repent. I turn around and I say, enemy, you no longer have that territory in me. Now, this is how it works. How do you repent? Sometimes we need to repent to the Lord alone. And other times we battle with, so, with something so severe in our lives that it's not working. Then the Bible says, call the elders. Come together. I have given you authority. You're not in the kingdom by yourself. You and if that is called solitude, that's called individualism. There's some authority, there's some anointing. But when we come together, he says where two or more agree on this, it's like that. When you bind it then, he's talking about the kingdom, multiple people. Now something's happening. Now I come to you and say, Kit, yes man, I can't stop this branas. Branavain has got me. I come and I come to people that I trust and say, would you pray for me? And I can confess my sin. Does the scripture say? Let him confess their sins to the elders. Pray that God might heal them. Sometimes physical healing will happen because of sin. Territory the enemy has in my life. Now it might be jealousy, it might be anger, it might be lust, it might be greed, it might be, I don't know, but you and I know exactly that part. And we're so scared people find out. We're scared that people find out that little territory, that little peace the enemy has in our hearts. You see, if I understand the authority that I have and the heart of heaven, I'm not looking at the little black speck in your heart. I'm looking at the whole lot of light that's in your heart. And let's deal with that speck together. I want to tell you, God loves you. We're going to deal with that. It's going to be confidential. He's going to set you free. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be set apart. He's dealt you this authority. But with that comes a responsibility to deal with me. Listen, if you want to write down something today, write this down. The enemy does not have some elaborate scheme that ties you down to one thing. One thing alone. Our sin. Our sin. You want to see breakthrough in your life? Breakthrough in your finances? Breakthrough in your relationships? Breakthrough with your self-esteem? Your ego? Your love life? You want to see breakthrough in your health? You want to see breakthrough? Alright? Deal with that territory in your heart. Ring it and put it on the bell and ring it. Ding, 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 ding. I got a love for money. Ding, ding. I am selfish. I've got selfish ambition. Ding, 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 ding. I'm a hypocrite. Ding, ding. I'm a liar. Ding, ding. Ring that bell. Refreshing will come to you. Because God has got no joy and no pleasure in 
you being in bondage. There's no glory for him in there. He's called you to be holy, set apart. He's holy. He says, you're mine. You're mine. This morning, I want... I want we, my model for church is that we pray for each other. But, but cultures come to this place where we, we're so scarm. Fear grips us right in our chair. And we don't want to come to the front. Because what is Caroline going to think? You know? <laughs> What's she going to think? I'm thinking of a song. It won't be appropriate to say Alice. You know? <laughs> what is Alice going to think? Well, who cares? Who's my master? Who's your master? Bless you. Who's your master? So then worry what he thinks. Worry what he thinks. Forget about the fear. Forget about, come, we want to pray with you. There's an authority that's given to the church. The ecclesia, a body to the sent ones, the disciples. There's an authority here. We can break stuff. We can loosen off you. And you can walk out that door today. Okay. And no longer be addicted. And no longer have low self-esteem. And no longer suffer with depression. You can walk out that door changed. But I can't do it for you. You have to get up and come to the front today. If you want that, let's close our eyes. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you that we know that you are safe. It's a safe place, Lord. And even though we might think, sit there and think certain stuff, Lord, I want to I pray that you, right now, Holy Spirit, just your liberty. For where the Spirit of God is, there's freedom. And your word says that you are here. The Holy Spirit is here. There's freedom here. I want to ask you, if you need to deal with something today, won't you please come to the front? The ministry team, you guys can come to the front.